Thank you for listening to the Guys Who Do Stuff podcast. Visit guyswhodostuff.com. You probably shouldn't Google that. Welcome to the Guys Who Do Stuff podcast. I'm Joe. And I'm Josh. And this is the show where you get unstuck, tell a better story, and have a good answer to the question, what are you doing today? And today we're excited. We're sitting here in the studio with Johnny Pavlik. What's going on? Johnny's What's Pizza. up, Johnny? Doing good, doing good, feeling great. It's Monday morning, new week, new attack. If you guys uh, didn't get a chance to hear, Johnny was recently on the Girls Who Do Stuff podcast and talked a lot about this controversy that happened to you because of your social media account and just some drama, frankly, that that went on. If you just want to give a quick recap as to what happened. Yeah, I mean, it was just a, it was like a PR nightmare. Johnny is a racist post that didn't come from my account, but mimicked me and created a lot of work, a lot of turmoil in my family, a lot of police and FBI involvement, a lot of moving out of my house. I just recently moved back into my house and it's just been, it was like the perfect storm at the perfect time with the perfect topic. And it was a, it was a crazy story and I encourage you to go listen to the rest of that episode, but uh, spoiler alert for the way that it ended is Johnny's now using his platform to bring attention to some of these issues that, that are going on in our society to Black Lives Matter. It's been great. Yeah. It's been great. It's like... I like your approach to that, honestly. Yeah, I mean, I've told a lot of people it was a blessing in disguise. And then they're like, what are you talking about? Then I explained to them what true attention means. So when... It could be negative attention or positive attention. The fact is, is if you're a positive person doing positive things and you get negative attention, that will ultimately transfer into positive because you will get people coming after you, looking at you as a negative and you then you have the opportunity to tell your story, show them what you're doing and you have new followers, new people who are following your vision that may not have before because there are negative attention mongers that just really focus in on the negative and it's like you get a chance to get them to kind of see who you are and then it's like oh wow i would have never even you know invested any time into this person until this negative thing happened but now i see they're doing all this positive and you can take a lot of the negative attention and transfer it into positive that's what i've been doing yeah, and I think that's a, such an encouraging and an inspiring approach to a real suck situation that you and your family have had to go through. Has there been any update? Have you got to move back in? Yeah, so I'm back in my house. Um, everything's good. I mean, I still see, you know, Holly Springs Police Department. They'll drive by our house. And I mean, we're on a cul-de-sac in suburbia. Right. I mean, let's be honest. Nothing's happening down there. Right. It's comforting to know, though, that like we're still at least on the radar and we have a great neighborhood, great neighbors that un- understand everything, and it's been good. The support's been unbelievable. That's awesome. So I think that this probably happened to you because of your massive social media following, or at least that in part mm-hmm. is why you were maybe targeted for this. Yeah, I mean, I'm on the cusp. Yeah. I'm on the cusp. This is going to, if anything, this is going to help me get verified, which is something I've been working on for a long time. I want to um, chat with you about your social media presence because yeah. it's uncommon in the Amazing that you have 378,000 followers on Instagram mm-hmm. as a local business entrepreneur. Uh, and I just want to talk to you. What was it like getting to that number? How much work went into it? A lot. A lot. I did a lot of reach outs. No, yeah. I mean, I did a lot of reach outs. I did a lot of stuff. Collabed with a lot of big companies. Did a lot of work with Gary V and just kind of like used some of his tactics. And, you know, we, we met up a couple times and I think it was 
I never really looked at following as important. I always focused on the content, the message, the drive, and it just kind of happened. I never really had a goal. Like I remember when my goal was to get to 10,000 followers so I could swipe up. I remember that day very clearly. I was like, oh my God, I'm at 9,000. I'm at 10,000. I can do swipe up stories now. And I mean, swipe up, people think that it's like cool to be able to do that. Really what it does is it just lets you add a link to any story. Right. Which I mean, if, if you don't understand the idea of call to action linking, then that might not be that important to you. But I mean, being able to put a web link on a story and say, hey, this will happen if you swipe up right now. Like that's a huge, right. that's a huge piece. So I remember trying to get to 10K. People don't understand. If you don't have that, you see a lot of that link in bio. People will say something, then say link in bio, because that's the only link they can put there. Exactly. And then they'll do stuff like link trees, et cetera, where like they have a generic link that goes to a page that you can update once you get to the page so you can share the links. But when you make it to that level, you can actually just link directly yeah. and, to where you want to go. And at 10K, your, your engagement doubles at that point too. Something in the algorithm that. changes? No, well, basically you're allowed to like, comment, DM more. Okay. Which is all based on your followers and your health score and how strong your account is. Yeah. So a lot of what I'm doing is really just maintaining an account that allows me to reach as many people as possible. I think a lot of people probably falsely think that if they do something simple, like hire the Harmon brothers who did like the poop and unicorn thing for the poopery commercial, that, that getting big on social media is some kind of stroke of luck. Like it's a viral post and then you're there. But I don't think that's the way that it happens for anybody. Nope. I'm going to tell you this right now. I, you could blow up an account with a viral post. If you're not engaging with the new followers, they're just going to unfollow you. How much of your time do you invest in social media? And do you think of social media as part of Johnny's Pizza? Absolutely. It's like absolutely just all entwined yeah. in the yeah, same Yeah, I mean, thing. to me, it's like social media is the camera that is on me. Right. And I try to give people the real me. I don't act any different on social media than I would in the real life. Right. You know what I'm saying? Like I figure it's an opportunity. Social media was a breath of fresh air for me because I was always a social media or a public figure. Even before social media existed, I was involved in community events. Yeah. Speaking at events, speaking at schools about addiction and talking to student bodies and all this stuff. So I was always involved, but I was, really limited by my community or like where an hour away, somebody in apex might say, Hey, you really need to talk at this school in Greensboro. Like maybe these small connections, Right. but now I'm able to talk and touch people all over the world. There was a guy who just moved to the triangle from Australia. He's been following me for three years and he's getting pizza for the first time this week. No, that's awesome. You know what I'm saying? He was like, I'm moving to Raleigh. Like I was like, dude, hit me up, text me, let me know. Cause I can tell you what store to go to right. you know, based on where you're at. I was like, just, Text me, let me know where you're at, and I will get you to a Johnny's Pizza and we'll get you a free pie. Right. You know what I'm saying? So, so that'd I mean, be a fun was, post yeah, to watch. Have yeah, this guy from Australia yeah. Pizza. <laughs> well, I mean, he's moving here. So it's yeah. like, it's just, it's just crazy that like one of my followers that's been following me from out of the country for a long time is actually moving to the area. Yeah. When you have as many followers as I do, which is not even a crazy amount, but mm-hmm. I mean, eventually you're going to have those roads cross where somebody that follows you somewhere else is actually going to move within the vicinity of your business. And your posts are fun and they're lighthearted and Mm -hmm. you have a lot of kids who follow you like pizza challenges, stuff like that. And so do you get to, uh, do you often get recognized out in public by people? Absolutely. Every time I go somewhere, it's, I mean, it's a Seinfeld stop, stop and chat. Yeah. (laughs) I got a lot of stop and chat. Sometimes I, you know, put the hood on 
and kind of put my head down when I'm at Target. Yeah. You <laughs> I know? just want to be at just, Target. Just kind of like lay, just kind of like put your head down and just kind of like lay low. <laughs> because I mean, the, the biggest thing you can't do when you're a public figure with a business in that community, you cannot do the like, I see you, you see me, I see you, you see me. I've done the double I take, I approach. Yeah. Because I'm like, hey, what's going on? And they're like, oh, Johnny. And it's like, you looked at me three <laughs> times. Like, I, I know- I you always know. found that to be a weird kind of side effect of social media. When you follow somebody aggressively as the follower, you feel as if you have a relationship with the person because they've been sharing a very one-sided version of their life with you. They know nothing of you. But I think sometimes like the guys that I'm super fans of, like if I met them in public, I would unconsciously probably start a conversation like we're buds. I want you to, <laughs> I want to start that conversation because the way I look at it is, is when somebody is investing time into following me, and I am essentially giving them something they're looking for, whether it's a representation of a local business person in their community. Like I really consider myself like I am like the quintessential business owner of a pizzeria that gives people a taste of that pizzeria that was local from when they were a kid. I bring a lot of nostalgia back yeah. to people who are like, I remember the pizzeria owner. He was really there. He's always involved. And like, I want to kind of fill that niche. So it's like, I give anybody who recognizes me or is a customer of mine or has just followed my content. I got a lot of people who dislike my content and they've never even eaten at Johnny's. I believe I should give them the FaceTime just as I would is if I was working the counter at one of my restaurants and they came in and I'm just like, Hey man, what are you up to? Yeah. Like it's like a, it's like the barbershop meets bartender meets social media meets restaurant owner. Like I want to encompass that kind of personal side to what I do. Right. So social media again was a breath of fresh air for me because it just allowed me to give myself, which I mean, I'm not like some amazing character, but like, I think I bring a realness to social media and actually like, I think I'm in the right age group to just kind of say like, F it, like, I'm not going to put on a bunch of dazzling effects and I'm not going to pretend to be something I'm not. I'm just going to give it to you real. Yeah. Like me or not, I'm not 60 and I'm not 20. Right. I'm 40. But, you know, a lot of 20-year-olds think I'm 20 and a lot of 60-year-olds are like, what the hell are you doing? And I like that. If a 60 or 50-year-old person is like, what the hell are you doing? Then I'm doing it right. Yeah. If a 20-year-old is like, dude, aren't you like 28, 30 years old? I'm like, dude, I'm 42. They're like, what? No way. Right. So it's like, you want to appear younger you want to appear younger to the young people and you definitely want to appear younger to the old people. I think I think you do you do a fantastic job on social media. And I know the first time I saw you was at a movie theater. So this is uh, a couple of years ago. You were running ads with uh, your family before the movie theater. And the ad worked for me. I was like, that's a guy that seems nice. I eat pizza. And so we went and we tried out a Johnny's Pizza, I think, like a week later. It had the lightsaber. It was at the, um, <laughs> it was at the Morrisville Theater. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. Mm -hmm. So you ran in at one theater through that uh, screen Well, they company. put me on a couple because they were like, this. we really like this ad. You know, yeah. because we really like remastered it and there was a lightsaber that kind of <laughs> yeah. like, it was cool. little fun, little yeah. fun. Yeah. So was it Gary Vee who said that uh, he was talking about social media, if it was in fact him that quoted it, as you mentioned him earlier, that you should, instead of thinking about creating doc, uh, content, you should document. document. Yeah. So that was him. Mm -hmm. Do you kind of follow that principle? Yeah. I mean, if you're going to the grocery store, just be like, hey, I'm going to the grocery store. Because I think that would help people get out of that mindset of this is work 
Whereas opposed to you're just sharing, you're just documenting what's going on as opposed to, I got to create this crazy post. And if you work hard to create like a polished post, like that's a serious time commitment. Yeah. Um, whereas if you have created a channel that's just genuine and authentic in you, you can create a post relatively easily from the amount of time that you spend creating it. Yeah. I mean, I've, I've had like nights where we banged out like 10 pieces of content and they all worked really well. And I've spent the same amount of time making one post and it flopped. Yeah. I remember one night we did like a put McDonald's in a calzone and then we did a Harry Potter and then we did a Jeopardy and then we did like, I mean, we we were just like, we had a list of like 10 things and we were just banging out content. We went to Walmart, got some props for like 50 bucks and just like, we just like banging out piece after piece and they were all like solid posts and were funny and it's just like, we were in that mood. So we just like, just like knocked out a bunch of posts between like 10 and two. Now granted, we didn't post them all at the same time, but we pretty much captured all the content and then we're just kind of editing as we went and we were just releasing like really cool little minute clips. And then, I mean, we've spent the entire night or two nights working on a piece of content that was just like, we got to the end. It was like, this is over edited. This is too thought out. And it was just kind of like average. Yeah. So sometimes it's quantity over quality because you never know what quality is. Your idea of quality might not be the following or the end or the just, you know, the masses. Yeah. So you many know? people are probably listening along, nodding their head. Like, cause we've all had those posts we work super hard on and we're like, that's they the flop. one, that's uh, the one. Yeah. <laughs> There's nothing. Uh-huh. Yeah. And then you, for some other reason, whether it's just, you're being more genuine or whatever it is, the other mm-hmm. posts play better. Yeah. I mean, I my, know, my, my realists, my most successful posts have always been heartfelt. Yeah where you put yourself out there. You put yourself on a platter and it's just like, chew me up, spit me out, whatever. Like, here's what it is. This is where I'm at. You know what I'm saying? If you give people authenticity and they can read it, if you actually dump yourself out on social media, like almost like you were in the psychologist chair and just give it to them. Right. You know what I'm saying? It'll, it'll work out. So at what point, what point did you bring on help for your social media? What point did it go from you running it to a team? I mean, it, it morphed. I've got people coming. I've got people going. I mean, things really, really started back in, I ran everything up until 2016. And then I was like, okay, like I need some help with this. I was, it was really not a time issue. It was more like, I need some data going into my posts and how they're responding based on which time, like post primalities and, you know, like w- based on my following, when should I be posting? Like just stuff that I really didn't take into consideration. How many times you post a day? Right. What days do you post? What days do you not post? I needed somebody kind of like overseeing my accounts. And I had hired probably like 15, 16 different companies. And f- most of them I didn't even pay because they didn't even make it a month. Yeah. Cause it just, I, I was like, so I wanted to ask you about that specifically, yeah. because if you're a business owner, you're probably not immune to the 1000 emails and Instagram DMS that you get from company X that says, I will three X your growth. Give me $40 and it'll be amazing. And to me, they always read as scams and I manage social media accounts for, for some local companies. And I've been around it long enough to know that if you pay for followers, you're just paying for farmed followers that Mm -hmm. don't create engagement. And it's a short term, like make you feel good ego hit, but it does, it doesn't help your account. And so what have you learned from working with, cause you've probably worked with a bunch of companies like that. Yeah. I mean, I, I've worked with companies for a very brief period that were jokes, the companies that I'm working with now are the kind of companies that are trend setting in the industry. I mean, they're quietly doing things that nobody else is doing. Right. Um, and I mean, the people that I'm working with now 
are working with companies that are working with Gary V and Grant right. Cardone and Alex Rodriguez. And, you know, I mean, it's real superstars. Right. And I mean, these people are buying services from these people because they have niches in the industry that will allow them to view stories. And right. there's a lot of activity you can do that is pretty seamless. It creates a sense of interest in people's accounts, which can in turn bring them back to your account. Yeah. It would almost be like if you had robots knocking on doors, just saying, Hey, how are you doing today? You know what I'm saying? Like you're going to get some, you're going to get some buzz from that. And it's like, I really want to have a conversation with you, but I can't knock on 1 million doors today. Right. You know what I'm saying? So it's like, Hey, you know, I want to engage with you. And there's just, there's a lot of services out there that can kind of like get the conversation started. I really call them like conversation starter right. so like services. And it just kind of like, it's through auto DMs and chat bots and stuff like that. You know, a lot of it is, you know, people say that it's more like, you know, like they don't like bots. People are so against bots, but it's like, you can't afford to pay 1000 people doing custom messaging for you. Right. So Especially you when need, the custom messaging isn't going to be that custom. Yeah. Like the first one's probably going to be, Hey, how you doing? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, it's like you, you need to have some help, you know what yeah. I'm saying? And ultimately with AI and all this stuff kind of, it's like, yeah. Ultimately, if your goal, if your goal is to just generate followers, generate likes and try to sell a product that's clickable on your website, you know, you have one direction. My style is really like, how do I get my message out there right. and how do I engage with more people on a daily basis? As Gary Vee said, he said, I want to meet every single person in the world. I mean, obviously that's not an achievable goal, but I mean, in his mind, right. he really likes people so much that it's like he wants to somehow touch, engage with, or reach every single person that exists on the planet. You know what I'm saying? And it's like, that's a good drive because it's like, what you're saying is you think you have something to offer, even if it's like, hey, you're going to have a good day today. I know your day might suck right now, but you're going to have a good day today. Bring some positivity to somebody you might not even know in Kansas. You know what I'm saying? And yeah. it's just, it, there are people who want to see people happy. And I think that like, those are the people that are the most successful on social media. I don't see a lot of super successful social media accounts that are like super negative yeah. Or like super sad or like there Even might the be ones sad, there might bit, be ones yeah. that are about sad things. Yeah. Like sick people and people with disease, but it's usually like, well, let's figure out a way to help this. You know what yeah. I'm saying? So it's like I don't see a lot of just like life sucks, the world sucks accounts. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like that are like super successful. <laughs> Not getting a lot of followers. Yeah. yeah you know what I'm saying? Approach. So it's like I think the positivity really is the I like what you're saying because I think it's it's so spot on. Like there's a big difference between hiring a professional firm that's a trendsetter that's going to move the ball forward for you and picking up on one of these email things, which is could be anybody from anywhere that's going to employ 13 bots and sure do hope that it works for you. Yeah. Because one has a strategy and one doesn't. Well, and I'll tell you that the bot, straight bot accounts, accounts that are just loaded with softwares fail. Yeah. They destroy your health score. Ultimately, you'll probably get shadow banned. Like, it's going to hurt you. There's all kinds of stuff that most people who are in a small business in our area probably aren't aware of. Like the fact that people grow accounts and then sell them once they get to a certain thing. I've been offered stupid money for my account and I'm like, why would I sell this? Yeah. <laughs> I worked too hard on this thing. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm, there's no way I'm starting at zero. At a certain point, it's, it feels like it's got to feel like, like a piece of real estate property. Like this thing yeah. has real value. Yeah. I mean, that's, and that's why social media is such a great asset. It is an asset. 
Yeah. You know, mailing coupons or putting ads in the paper, like that's it. Like they get it, they read it, it works or it doesn't, and it goes in the trash. There's never been a media or advertising platform like social media that actually you build a following. So you have, you have a real asset because the people that are interested in your product service, whatever it is, your brand, your entertainment, your videos, you actually are like creating a community around what you do. Yeah. And I mean, that has value. So you have an actual niche market. And, and I mean, it's incredibly intimate. I mean, you're in their pocket. Like they're yeah. going to interact with your content. And I mean, I'll answer all the, I'll answer them. Yeah. I think that's something you do really well. Like even through all the controversy and everything that's happened, I love the story you told on girls who do stuff about you gave out your cell phone number and said, if you want to have a conversation about this, if you want to talk, I'll give you a hundred dollars for your ideas on how we can make this better. Meet you at a local coffee shop. Let's go. You had one person take you up on it. But I think that speaks to people's mindset when it comes to social media, like you want to talk like as a human, I just wanted to say something in an echo chamber and get something off my chest. Like that's how most people want to respond to their social media. Yeah, no, I actually, I want to stimulate real conversation. And I mean, I've had a lot of people reach out and they're like, Johnny, I don't need you to pay me a hundred dollars for 30 minutes of your time. But that's kind of like my way of saying, Hey, look, I really want to talk with you. Yeah. A robot wouldn't like, say we're, that. Like we're in quarantine here. People don't have jobs. If somebody isn't willing to meet at a Starbucks for a hundred bucks for 30 minutes, just for me to pick your brain and yeah. understand where the ideas that you have of me are coming from. I want to understand how you're able to create an image of me not knowing me based on something you saw on social media. To me, that's like market research. So I'll pay for that. Like, I'm really curious how people can establish an idea of a person without actually knowing them. Yeah. And I want to know what pieces of what they saw where online help them create this image of who I am. Because to me, that's interesting. It's interesting, like, how, you know, text videos or news can be deployed to help somebody depict what they think you are. Yeah. So I will pay money to actually research that idea. Right. Like I want to know where, like, well, then I saw you do this and I'm like, Oh, so it was that post and the way that got worded, you know? And, I'm, and it just, yeah. I'm very curious as to how people like create ideas about other people. Because I love people and I just love the human experience and interaction. I'm just, it's really, it really, it, it really, really, really excites yeah. me to kind of see how that works. So I'm willing to pay for that research. And nobody takes you up on it because ultimately they have to get off their ego of feeling like they're right and open their mind to be like, well, I'm going to actually talk with this person and maybe they might not be who I thought they were. Right. And I'm going to have to admit that, hey, you're not who I thought you were. Which is almost 100% of every stereotype, racism, prejudgment of everything. It's very hard for people <laughs> to turn. So they're like, wow, like I might have to like shift my opinion of this person and I'm going to have to go online and take back a lot of my, it's like they'd rather just stay in their lane, Yeah, you know? So Josh and I were talking and I'd love to get your thoughts on this idea that's been showing up in marketing, this big change for like, the last 30 years, marketers have always avoided politics. And it seems like because of what's going on with the Black Lives Matter movement and because of the causality of the younger generations, that there's been this almost paradigm shift in marketing that now 
and I'll use Nike as an example, although we could certainly use Johnny's Pizza as an example right now, but Nike was forced to take a stance on the Black Lives Matter movement because they were starting to lose business because they didn't, they weren't vocal enough. And so this is actually a really interesting switch in the way that marketing has happened for a long time. And Josh and I were talking earlier about like, just my opinion on it, just another opinion in the wind is like, I don't really need my shoe company to have a political backing. Cause I understand that companies are made up of people and companies don't really have souls like people have. And so I don't like treating companies the same way I would treat a person, mm-hmm. but you've just recently lived through this in a way that not a lot of local business owners have. What's kind of your feedback on that trend that's going on right now? I think that I was kind of put in a position where I had to, I didn't right. really have a choice. It's either, I don't remember what movie it was. I don't remember the movie. You run, you die. If you run from an issue, it'll kill you. You have to attack it head on. So when all this got brought, I had no choice but to take a stance on my beliefs. And I brought a lot of political issues and a political agendas into what uh, was typically just a like fun family restaurant entertainment page really became a political debate page. I've never seen so much like activity on my pages that was so back and forth. And it really, I mean, ultimately I gave people a platform to have debates, which I mean, I think is cool. Like my feeds became debate rooms, which I mean, I believe there's a need for that type of space. So if my post created debate, I'm perfectly happy for that debate to go on within the comments of one of my posts because I believe that debate needs to happen. Even if it's, you know, off color or people are maybe saying inappropriate things, it'll eventually get flagged or taken down or I'll eventually delete it or hide it or whatever. I mean, I just think that when people need to let that stuff out, even though people say, well, social media, those things at least to that person needed to be said. So hopefully they're getting something off their chest that will allow them to like refocus their life right. and like maybe see the other side. Yeah. I think a lot of people from social media accounts were afraid to post anything that could be controversial because there's a lot of, well, what if somebody says mm-hmm. this and then how would we handle it? And so I used to work at a, a large mega church and I ran their communications department. And so I was over social media and I'd get that question a lot. What if we post something? And then what if somebody says something negative? So we would have like these policies that we put into place. And ultimately what I wanted to do was why don't we just treat it like they're in the foyer of the church? If somebody says something crazy, then you address it as if there was a human on the other end of that conversation who said something because they were either hurt or wounded or upset or angry and you have a conversation, which sounds really great on paper, but people don't have the same level of discourse on social media that they do face to face. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, I just, I don't know. I'm, I'm just a firm believer that people need to say what they need to say. And if I can facilitate that in any way, I just think it's good. Yeah. I think um, specifically in this case with the Black Lives Matter movement, yeah. when it comes to injustice and not being heard, to create a place where you can be heard and say stuff in a safe way is critically important at this time. Yeah. And I said to people, I said, I've always been in support of the black community. And in some cases, I mean, to be honest with you, I've gone overboard and it's because I have such an, a connection with the black community. I've been in a situation where black families have helped me out 
when I was down and out. So, I mean, I've experienced living in that community. I've experienced seeing that community firsthand and seeing that, wow, there are people that will go above and beyond for somebody of a different skin color. And I've seen that with a black families towards me more than I've seen white families towards black people in my experience. And to me, that was like really eye opening. You know what I'm saying? So I'm like, wow, like in spite of the stereotypes and all of this hate between races, these people that didn't have to help me did. And to me, that shows a real selflessness yeah. that I don't see across all races. So it was kind of like, wow, that was eye opening for me. And I mean, you know, I've had a lot of people reach out to me and they're like, why are you doing all this political stuff on your business page? Keep it to your personal page. And I'm like, my personal page is my business page. My business page is my personal page. It's all me. If I don't include what's going on in my life across all of my platforms, which I have, except LinkedIn, to be honest with you, I haven't logged into LinkedIn in a while. I'm curious. (laughs) I almost don't want to hit that button. I'm just curious what's going on over on LinkedIn. I, uh, I was kind of like, you know, this isn't really a LinkedIn time. I was like, <laughs> I, I might get over there. I'm going to actually call one of my guys today and say, let's do something on LinkedIn. It might be the time to, to post something over there. But uh, So back to that idea, because if you're a local business owner and you were thinking to yourself, just like you'd mentioned some people giving you advice, like, why bring that up? That time might be changing. Like you might need to figure out what that looks like for you in the future and to what is your response to the issues that are happening in the world. Cause I think what's happening for younger people or people who are upset feel like by not talking about it, you're complicit. You are taking the side of the wrong side by not addressing or not joining the conversation. And it, it feels like from a purely marketing standpoint that what people who patronize local businesses are wanting is to know that you don't stand for injustice or things that are or could be viewed as a part of the, not could be viewed, but are just immoral and things that are shouldn't be happening and that you don't stand for that. And that's basically like, it seems like what the people that patronize businesses, they just want that. They just want a statement that says, hey, that's not cool. We're against that. But that is kind of hardwired for the last 30 years of marketing is like, oh, you shouldn't touch that. Like you really shouldn't talk about that on your social media or publicly or. Yeah. I mean, religion and politics were two things that I stayed away from. Mm -hmm. I will touch all aspects now, politics, and then you're bringing in religion because now it's bringing back a lot of the recovery stuff from my past, which obviously God was a big part of. So now it's like, oh, well, you believe in God. And I'm like, well, I believe in God because I got sober and I was taught how important a higher power for me God was in getting me sober. And it's just like, you know, my it's, yeah. it's wide open right now. Relevant Media Solutions believes that marketing is storytelling. They help take business owners from feeling scared that their ineffective website is losing business, embarrassed of their online presence and worry that their customers are not finding them to business leaders with a useful website that grows their business and sees customers return. Let them help you tell your story. Visit relevantmediasolutions.com today. If you think about it from, from a marketing standpoint for so long, and you mentioned it earlier, the marching beat drum has been authenticity. People that are doing it right, you need to be authentic. And to leave out a couple of big portions of our humanity in our social media feeds or out of our companies, which is uh, politics and religion can kind of feel like being inauthentic to people. And I wonder if that's part of the reason why 
people are demanding a little bit more content on this. I don't know. I'm just spitballing right now, but yeah, I got people reaching out to me <laughs> within one minute, two people that I was like, Hey, I'm busy in a podcast this morning. They both forgot that I told them that last night and they're reaching out to me. I'm like, oh yeah. <laughs> Don't reach out to me in the morning. How's the podcast going? They're do you, wondering. Do you want to put them on speaker? We can <laughs> no, record. No, absolutely not. <laughs> so one of the things that we love on this show is to kind of hear people's origin stories. So why pizza? How'd you get into it? I mean, I think that I just fell in love with it. Going to the mall, playing video games, love a slice of pizza, rode my bike to the mall. It was in Is the that day. why you see Bart Simpson so much in so many of your yeah, t-shirts? Yeah, I love Bart stuff? Simpson. I yeah. love Bart Simpson. Bart Simpson is like, there are two... When you say playing video games, that's the game I think of that used to be in the arcade, that Simpson one with the two screens where yeah. you could be Bart and hit people yeah. with the, oh, yeah, with the yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I can tell you this. The Simpsons, those are my characters. Bart Simpson, I can relate to. He was a rascal, always getting in trouble, misunderstood. Mm -hmm. Obviously a good kid, just got wrapped up in the wrong things. Totally my story. Yeah. And Woody Woodpecker, just a <laughs> rascal, causing trouble, kind of like laughing, you know, like right. th those are my two characters, both high energy. They never stopped and uh, until they crashed. That was kind of me. And, but getting back to the, the pizza thing, the arcade sold pizza for me because I just... It's almost like the fast times at Ridgemont High, like the mall, pizzeria, arcade. Like it was that time I was riding my bike to the mall at 10, 11. Yeah. It was just a different time. Like right. it was like you tell you about people talking about like the 70s and the six, like our parents let us and we come back at dark. Well, that's how it was for me right. in the 80s and 90s. Yeah, children just got yeah. to like leave. You know what I'm saying? It's weird now. It's like my, my wife is like, he can't. I'm like, babe, he can go down the block. Right. Like there isn't an increase in like child predators right now or kidnappers. Yeah. Like the, the kidnappers were always there. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And it's like, why is there this now it's different? Well, now it's because the neighbor across the road thinks that that's crazy and you don't want to be, I think it's perception yeah. of, yeah, be, of parenting. Cause my parents, my parents are like, they don't care. Yeah. You and know. I think we're robbing our kids in a certain sense of some of the, like freedom. My parents would allow me to, cause now we're talking about video games and stuff. I lived in a very rural community. And so the nearest place I could go play video games was a grocery store, a town over. So this is an eight mile bike ride and I would <laughs> ride my bike there. Yeah. I yeah. get a couple of buddies and we're like, we're going to go play some video games at the <laughs> grocery store and rent like a, you know, a Nintendo cartridge and head on back home. <laughs> yeah. 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 So you'd like go a, play stand up video games yeah. and then you'd rent a game. Uh huh. Yeah. And then uh, in the backpack, like you couldn't <laughs> wait to get home, like, right. carrying this piece of plastic. Uh huh. Now it's just there. You don't have to, you know, getting that cartridge home was like a big deal. Yeah. yeah. We're all yeah. about the same age. I love how bikes are such an integral part of our past. You know, yeah. Kids don't really, machine. you don't see it as much. Well, no, it was the only way to get around. Yeah. You see an increase now because of COVID. Like you can't yeah, oh, yeah, barely yeah, buy yeah. a bike, which yeah. is kind Selling of a good out. thing. And you can't yeah. buy a video game either. It's yeah. crazy. Oh, I was wow. trying to find a Nintendo Switch. Can't get a Switch. Can't get an Xbox, right. a PlayStation. They're sold out. Well, we had to cancel a vacation. So we wanted to do something fun for the kids. So we wanted to buy an Oculus headset, yeah. the VR headset. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So hard to find. Are they? So hard to Everything find. Everything sold out. Yeah. I saw Target. This is the first time I've ever seen it. Target said they had Nintendos. For four hundred and ninety nine dollars, when the retail is two ninety nine, the new small I was ones. Like, yeah. yeah, I was like, I've never seen a retail store price gouge do the price gouge. <laughs> I was like, because it said Target two ninety nine, right. and I went there, and it's like six more left, four ninety nine, and I'm like, wow, price. I was like, yeah. this isn't like 
resell. This isn't like yeah. one of the other people selling on Target. This was Target. <laughs> wow. I was like, wow, they just put a $200 price tag on a retail product. Yeah. I was like, times must be tough. I've never seen, never seen that. Yeah, that's, uh, that is Normally, crazy. they'll just say sold out. Yeah. You know, we're sold out. People yeah. are the ones that do it. They'll go buy all 10 of them and then put them yeah, on eBay yeah, yeah, for, yeah. you know, 500 bucks a piece. And you can get a lot of switches right now, like on offer no, up for believe, five, 600 bucks. Believe it or not, oh, eBay, eBay is the place to buy a Nintendo switch right now. Yeah. Cause it's only a hundred bucks more. I believe that the eBay community is a little more lenient. They're like, I just want to like make my money and flip it. Yeah. Uh, so like the retailers are like, well, we have overhead, we have this and that. They're the ones selling it for 500. You can go get one for 399 free shipping and it's 299. My daughter had worked her butt off saving up money to buy a Nintendo switch. And it was a little frustrating when it was so difficult to purchase one. Cause yeah. kids are so used to just being able like, why is it not at the store? Yeah. Like <laughs> how come I can't just buy the thing? Well, I, have, I have money. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I tell people all the time, like with shoes, like I, I'm big into Yeezys and it's just been like, people are like, well, can I get a pair? And I'm like, dude, they went on sale like a week ago. What are Yeezys? Yeezys are Kanye West Adidas shoes. Oh, cool. Yeah. I think I'm wearing some. Yeah. Huh. They're just, see now if you want to, this is, this right here, these shoes are part of the, I'm 42, but I need 20 year olds to love me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You yeah, wear yeah, these yeah. shoes. I walk into my store and in the in like let's just say my carry store, and all the kids are there from lunch. They're like, "Yo, Johnny's got Yeezys." <laughs> and I'll hear like, "Yo, Johnny, are those real?" And I'll just look at them and be like, "Really?" And they're like, "Damn, man!" You know? like, Come he on, just, man. You just got a couple more Instagram Come on, followers. Man. <laughs> oh, Don't great. ask me if they're real. It's just one of those things where it's like when they go on sale retail, they're 200 bucks. And then like all the shoe coppers, like the people who like resell, yeah. they'll go out and they'll get 500 for them. Shoes so they, are such a big deal. My brother-in-law went to a, uh, what's that uh, Warren Buffett conference thing and came back with a pair of Warren Buffett Brooks. I think he's got a collab going. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. Like Brooks. Rock ports. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's funny, man. Yeah. All right. So it was such a part of your upbringing. Video games, pizza kind of went hand in hand. If you're not familiar with, with Johnny's story, you went into it a little bit on the Girls Who Do Stuff episode, but you went through an addiction. Yes. And you went through a, a whole season of your life. And then after that, or was it before that or during that, that Johnny's Pizza came a thing? It was kind of funny. Like I had, I was heavily addicted to a bunch of stuff. And then it was, this is, this is kind of like in a nutshell, my story. And then I was like, okay. So I was obviously unhappy. I was working for people. I was doing drugs. Drugs were getting worse. Like I was doing more, you know, of, you know, like you name it, doesn't really matter. And it was like, this is just me kind of showing how not myself, not just myself, but others, how unhappy I am. I'm just trying to like find my way and I'm just not happy with life and kind of where it's headed. But you know, if I can just get a pizzeria, that was my dream. So I was like, that was like the symbol that you'd if I out. can just get a pizzeria, and again, this is all the stuff you learn in rehab. It's looking outside of yourself. So it's like I was looking outside of myself for drugs to put in myself and like make myself feel good. Or if I can just meet the right girl, she'll mm -hmm. make me happy and then I'll feel good about myself. Or if I can just get this business, this business is the key. So everything honed in on the pizzeria, got the pizzeria. And for a, f a couple weeks, it was like, this is it. And then it came time to where I was at a bar late night after a hard night at work. And it was like, things just happened. And then I was just right back. And so it just became me working with an addiction and running a business with an addiction. And it was obvious. I just wasn't happy because, you know, 
I thought the pizzeria would open up this window of like light and happiness. And it obviously didn't. It just was a lot of work and it was my passion, but it was just so distracted by all these other things going on in my life, you know, socially and trying to make friends and new business and going to the bar after work, buying drinks for customers. And it was just this big, like, you know, I had work from 9 a.m. to 9 p.m. And then I had work after work from 9 p.m. to 3 a.m. You know what I'm saying? And it just was this every day. And yeah. it just, it wore me out. And it got me to the, gotten to the point where I just got so bad. And I just, you know, I almost needed out of the business. And I mean, I got in some trouble and, you know, had to go away for a little bit. But ultimately, when I got sober, my therapist was like, at rehab, was like, look, you're going to need to either fall back in love with pizza or do something else. Like your whole, like everything you've done, you were under the influence. All the major adult decisions you made. I mean, this is up until 30 years old. So, I mean, I went through my 20s. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like working, you know, your home, vehicles, all this stuff. And somehow doing it under the influence. So, they were like, you're going to need to fall back in love with it. It was almost to the point where I didn't stay in pizza. Yeah. It could have very easily been me doing something entirely different than pizza. Which looking back at it now is like, holy crap. I might not have been in the pizza business. Mm. You know? But it was like, you got to find you know, your new balance. Yeah. And so I somehow fell back in love with the pizza business. And through so, the process of that, found my wife and had kids and grew the pizza business, lost the pizza business in sobriety because of the things I did when I was an addict. My landlord wouldn't even renew my lease. So my first pizzeria I lost due to a strong arm move by a landlord that was like, look, like we can't take you back on. Turned out to be the biggest positive ever in my life. We opened 1010 on Holly Springs Road, took off like a rocket ship, and then just started growing after that. And it was just all through sobriety, through support with my wife. I remember crying on the floor with my wife when we lost our first pizzeria. We went one year from like donating to March of Dimes, sponsoring three families for Christmas, getting them all their food, clothes, presents. I mean, we were doing well. Right. And we weren't even married yet. The following year, we got married and we didn't even have a restaurant. We had, we were out of the restaurant business and we were getting married. And it was just like, wow, like where is this going to take us? I was literally buying iPads, computers, laptops on eBay, reflipping them on eBay, buying stuff on Craigslist, selling it on eBay, buying stuff on eBay, selling it on Craigslist. Like I was just like doing anything I could to make money and a couple hundred bucks a day, driving to Smithfield, driving to Clayton, pick up an iPad, sell it over here. I mean, like anything I could do to put money on the table. Now, granted, my wife, she was a nanny at that point. So she was bringing in all the money. She kept us afloat. Yeah, And it was just like, Ultimately, it all came back to just staying sober, staying on track. I ended up getting a restaurant, did very well. And it was just, it was just dumb luck. Yeah. It was just dumb luck. Or the man work. upstairs looking down on me. You yeah. know what I'm saying? It was like, you've paid your dues. Like it's time for a break. You know, like I got a break of just saving my life by getting sober. That was the big break. Yeah. But then within staying sober, I finally caught a break with one of my restaurants and it just really, it opened up the door to yeah. everything. And that's one of the reasons I love talking to local business owners like this. Cause you might think if you're just a native of our area, the Raleigh area that you just kind of, it rains gumdrops and you crap rainbows. You got four pizzerias, you're doing really good. You got a strong social media following. And I really think that a lot of business owners 
think that they have to work harder than everybody else. When the reality is, is that owning a business is hard work and you, you lose stuff, you, things don't always go right. And I think there's a, there's a good sense of community that comes from that, that we're in this struggle together as business owners. And uh, when you were telling your story and just the whole Bart Simpson and video games and your therapist telling you, you get to fall back in love with pizza. I like saw that as like a John Hughes movie. Like I would love to watch that movie. Falling back in love with pizza. Yeah. <laughs> Set in like a nineties comedy, eighties yeah. comedy vibe and kind of hear a little bit more of that story. That's, that's good stuff, man. Yeah. I mean, it was just, it was the, the chain of events. I mean, I almost need to document all this and just put it down on paper because it's all just a blur to me. Yeah. In sobriety, it's a blur. Like totally with it. It's just like this life, the way it happens and just having kids and through all this, I mean, I've, I've almost lost my marriage, you know, over this business and just, and this is in sobriety, you know? So So even even in sobriety, life has been challenging, you know? Right. Don't think that things just automatically get easy because you're sober. Did you find that the addiction that you struggle with, you just replaced with the addiction of working? Uh, I think it's with working. I think it's with excitement. I think it's with the hustle, you know, I've been distracted by new ideas where for a week I'm like, I'm going to do this. I'm going to open a business over there and it's going to be a bar and we're going to do this. And I get, I call my brother and we're going to be partners on this. And it's like, I'll get so wrapped up in this next move that, you know, I won't even say hello to my kids for a week. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? They're standing right there and I'm on the phone. Like when they're like, my wife's like, they want to play with you. And I'm like, hold on, hold on. Like you can get so wrapped up in what you're doing that it's easy to overlook what's really important, you know? So how would you define success? I think success is all about family, man. Like I, I come back to family. I just come back to family. And I believe that because it's like, if I didn't have to do all the things I had to have to do to provide for my family and set up people in a position to live comfortable lives, I would just hang out with my family on an Island all day. (laughs) Yeah. Cristiano Ronaldo bought an Island during COVID. Just brought his family there. It doesn't sound like a bad way. I I need to do that. (laughs) Cristiano Ronaldo. Oh, uh, soccer the soccer player. player yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. So basically what he did is, is that COVID hit and he was like, we need to get out of here. So he just brought the freaking the refrigerators, the meat, blah, 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 bought an island, homes, boom. I mean, they've got logistics, food's coming. They're good. I think uh, it was like 130 million. Yeah. Wow. I hear you have to have an army or it's a good idea to have an army when you have an island. Yeah. A little uh, army. Pirates. Yeah. I'm just saying like, <laughs> like that's how you do for family yeah. when you're all, when you're successful at a point where money's not an option you can create a situation that's sure. good for your family that's above others yeah like you're pretty safe on an island from covid yeah yeah like nobody's leaving <laughs> that's true. the food is coming they're wearing masks you're sanitizing it i mean right. it's like pallets are coming and it's like we can leave that for like four days until we need that we got plenty over it's like let's go catch a fish or two you're safe you're safe <laughs> you're safe so I'm curious as to know what's what's coming next for Johnny's Pizza. I mean, what's what's the next plan? I know you mentioned on the Girls Who Do Stuff episode that of the independently owned pizzerias, there's like 400,000 of them or so. No, 48,000. 48,000, 48, okay. That's, there's about 48,000. I'm glad there's not 400,000 because if there was, I wouldn't be in business. <laughs> like, well, wait a second. Even the, crappy, even the crappy pizzerias hurt the good pizzerias. Yeah. Because uh-huh. pizzerias are still a matter of location. It's very hard to get people to drive past five pizzerias to another pizzeria. Mm-hmm. 
You know what I'm saying? So yeah. if there were 400,000, that would just mean there's a lot in between. Yeah. So. What's the statement about garbage pizza? The joke that people always say, but it's still pizza. Like there's a joke involving. Oh no, no. Well, there's a couple. I think the, the one I'm thinking of is a dirty joke about it's sex. It's a dirty joke about yeah. sex. Yeah. <laughs> you know, even all pizza, it, it, pizza is like sex. Even when it's bad, it's good. Yeah. That's, that's the thing I was thinking <laughs> of. Such a guy. Part yeah. Of you, I right? mean, I, I, I eat all pizza, so. I like the little Elio's frozen rectangles. I like those. Yeah. <clears throat> I was actually at Sam's Club and I saw those and I was like, I'm going to get those. Square pizza reminds me <clears throat> of high school. That was what we served in high school. Yeah. The school lunch, square yeah. pizza. Yeah. Little, like, it never was crunchy. It was always like, really oh, it's, soft. It's, it's the doughy, yeah. it's, uh, it's the doughy yeah. gummy. I dipped mine in French dressing. I remember that. Yeah. There yeah. you go. <laughs> so you were saying 48. Hundred. Yeah. So what's next? How many more are you thinking? Are you ever, have you ever considered franchising? Well, at this no, point? no, I won't franchise. I refuse to franchise. Well, I, okay. I, I bet you get that question a lot. Yes. I have had a bunch of people. I've had investors. The biggest thing I don't like about franchising is how can I gear how passionate that person is? And now business people say, well, it doesn't matter. Well, to me it does because I don't want somebody to just ride the coattails of Johnny's pizza because they have money. I don't need people's money to make more money. I can make money myself and I can put people that really want to make money and want to back the brand in as partners. Now I will take working partners. I will allow investors to come in that are willing to work the store so that they can learn the system and really get behind the brand. I mean, it's just, I, I don't, I don't like the idea. I mean, I know a guy who's got like 40 in Texas. He's the largest independent in Texas, Double Dave's. And he's like, yeah, I got a guy pissing in the wind in Oklahoma. But the thing is, it's like, you let them operate and hurt your name because I mean, they're still giving you a little something, but they're hurting your brand. And it's like, you don't have anybody who can replace them, even though you know you could evict them because they've broken so many rules and buying products that aren't the correct ones. So that yeah. people that go there, it doesn't even taste the same. And I mean, it's just like, to me, it's just like a headache. A bad franchise can really hurt you. Like, for example, I worked at Subway. It was one of my first jobs. And this Subway owner was a great Subway owner. And our store was always clean and our food was good, et cetera. And then Subway just kind of went downhill. I thought, I was like, can you imagine how crappy Subway are? I was talking to people and they're like, oh, it's always been this way. And I just realized that Subway was a good Subway. But the majority of Subways were just like, here's the throwing yeah. stuff together. There you go. Get out of here. Yeah. yeah. Kind of stuff. And yeah. you're, you got half cooked bread and all that stuff. Yeah. And it just turns you off a subway and I haven't, I don't need a subway anymore. Yeah. You know, something, but, um, it's, oh, no, no, no. I want to hear you. So something you said on the girls who do stuff was interesting about the, your uh, idea of the future of dining in and restaurants in general. What, what was that? Uh, what, I just think, think, I mean, I think people need to get to grips that restaurants are never going to be the same. And I think that people, have an inherent ability to look for the bright side of a situation or of life or that they want to hold on. It's kind of like things were never the same after the great depression. You know what I'm saying? Like it created like to where my grandmother was like saving scraps, you know what I'm saying? Hoarding sheets. Yeah. Like, like whether you believe it or not, this whole situation has changed the world. And restaurants will never be the same. I don't know if retail will be, but retail doesn't really matter because we order online anyway. So it's like, what is the one thing that people go out? Like, I think movie theaters are screwed. Yeah. I mean, it's like, if you have a business where your model is about packing as many people in a space as possible, you're screwed because you need more square footage 
well, more square footage costs more dollars. What are you charging to cram as many people in? Oh, by the way, you can't cram as many people in. Yeah. It's like, it's an algorithm that will never work. And so, events, I think, fits yeah, in that category, yeah, too. Yeah, events. I mean, Who's did, going to PNC well, and no, watching? No, but, like, what's going to happen with the NFL? Yeah. You know, I need my football. <sighs> you know what I'm saying? Like, how are they going to do that? How can the revenue... There are programs, sports programs in colleges that are canceled. Yeah. Wow. They're just... We're not doing wrestling anymore. Is wrestling the one? No, I mean, it's just one of, I mean, I'm just saying like, like, it's just sad that like these, there's just not going to be sports like we remember. It'll never be sports like we remember. It'll never be restaurants like we remember. It'll never be events like we remember. Everything's changed. And people are like, oh, well, restaurants will get back. I don't see people in this area dragging three of their kids out into a packed restaurant shoulder to shoulder. There used to be restaurants that I used to eat at where literally I'm rubbing shoulders with the people next to me. Yeah. Sure. And did I care? No, because the food was amazing and it was an amazing experience. But now you throw COVID in right? and future pandemics. Let's not even talk about COVID. Let's talk about what about in two years, right? Different one. And you, you, know, made, you made a point and I agree with it. And I thought it myself that just because the government says now you can be back at 50% or just because they say you can be back at 75% doesn't mean that's the way the majority of Americans feel. And 50% of us are just going to run right out to restaurants. No. Uh, Nightclubs and bars will do fine. Even though they're packed. They're not packed. I think what they're doing is they're consolidating seating areas, I think a lot of clubs are going to become lounges. So they're going to take mm. a dance floor in an area and they're going to build little like couch gatherings. And so the rule will kind of be like, you don't have to socially distance with the people you come with because you're already comfortable with them. Yeah. Like you guys are already like you 10 people have already been in a home pre-gaming. Like you guys are comfortable with each other. You just need to stay away from everybody else. And like you guys sit here Waitress will come to you and bring you drinks. Yeah. They're going to charge you more, but you have the opportunity to meet people. And ultimately, in my opinion, late night social gatherings are about one thing. And that's about a guy meeting a woman or a man meeting a man or a woman meeting a woman, whatever it is, and building a relationship from that. That's why I went out, you know, and so I think bars and nightclubs still have that social aspect of like, you know, meeting people for a relationship. That's not why people go to restaurants. I think people go to restaurants for a dining experience. And if the dining experience is so convoluted with like weird new nuances, masks, pens, touch this, don't touch that. The bathroom, is there a line for the bathroom? You got to take a number for the bathroom. We have to have a cleaning crew go in after that person went to the bathroom. It's like, (laughs) what what an embarrassing situation. What about buffets? (laughs) What about buffets? Yeah. Oh, take a number. Golden Corral. Take a number. Golden we Corral. have to sanitize. Yeah. Good. Goodbye. 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 Yeah. yeah. Chinese buffets. Goodbye. Uh, it's over. I love Chinese buffets. Yeah. Gone. Yeah. Indian, you, you Indian buffet. Like I don't want to like, like even me, and I'm pretty loose. I'll be honest with you. I keep my restaurants really tight, but me as a person, like, yeah, I'll go out. I'm not as worried as as much as I should be. Ask my wife. My wife. She runs the kids. She runs her. She's like, wash your hand. I mean, dude, she's on top of me like crazy. You know what I'm saying? So she's keeping me in line in our home. But like, I'm going to be honest with you. I'm not as safe as I need to be. You know what I'm saying? I'm, I'm just, I'm just not. I think a lot I of run my like restaurant that way. I'm just saying like me personally, like I'd go to a buffet right now. I would just want to like see what's going on. And you know, they're gonna have to switch the tongs out. And I mean, it's just like this big process from, from me running a buffet, I'd close. 
If I was the owner of a buffet, I wouldn't try to reopen as a as a buffet. I would try to pivot and figure out a new way to market my pro- my product. So you said on the girls who do stuff, essentially that the dining experience is done. It's done. So do you think that there's any kind of silver lining? Do you see any trend coming that this is what it's going to look like? I think that people are going to have to learn how to eat their food out of to-go containers, which is how I eat anyway. So I'm already way ahead of the curve <laughs> because all my food is in to-go containers. Yeah. You know? I found that we've been eating to-go, like many Americans, so much more frequently in curbside, which is a whole new thing. So you can get your favorite restaurant. It just comes in a container, to your point. And there's just no dining experience and it, we've been out a couple of times. Like we went out to Texas Roadhouse mm-hmm. and there were some quirks, right? Like they didn't bring us a menu. Like you had to take a picture of a QR code on the wall that would call up a website so you could look through the menu and just like little weird stuff. But I feel like the longer we spend in COVID, my family's more and more comfortable with takeout and curbside. And it's almost like they'd rather like, why don't we just bring it home though? Like we could go, but why don't, why don't we just well, bring it Well, I mean, home? that allows you to, <laughs> I mean, honestly- I would rather my kids eating to go food, watching an iPad at the kitchen table versus going out to a restaurant and being the family with an iPad in front of their kid in the restaurant, getting looked at by the table next to them saying, why the hell are they letting their kid watch an iPad during dinner? At least like when I was at my house, nobody's judging. Yeah. Yeah. Because I'm definitely the iPad at dinner family. I was going to say, oh, we yeah. got TVs at our house. That's probably the yeah, big draw. I mean, I do, I'll, I'll, <laughs> the only way I can get my son, one of my sons to eat, my other son will eat anything. He's a garbage disposal. But my other son, literally, you have to put an iPad in front of him just for him to like maintain focus in like what's in front of him. Because if that's not there, then he's like everywhere. He's looking for something to do. Well, it is an interesting time and I don't know what the stats are, but it's gotta be really frightening for anybody in the restaurant industry. I feel really sorry for people who can't figure out a way and some restaurants, it's just not possible. Gourmet dining steaks, very tough. This, the quality of a steak to go is diminished so highly. It's like, right. like I can cook an average cut of steak at my house better than a quality cut to go. Yeah. There's just, you know what I'm saying? And it's just like, I, I, I'm a great, I'm a great steak cook. So I can cook. I I used to go to steakhouses for the experience of, I don't have to cook a steak, Mm -hmm. but now I'm not going to spend the premium on a good steak from a good steakhouse and bring it to go. There's just no way. So does that mean there's going to be more surplus of good steak to, you know, actually, actually what's happening is the demand for steak is down so much that now there's just expensive steak. Beef is expensive. Everything's expensive right now. Cheese is expensive. It's crazy. Yeah. I think it has something to do with the supply chain. And things are just crazy right now. If you're on the wholesale side, you see it. I'm yeah. in the restaurant business, so I see the wholesale side of things. It's crazy. Are you food trucking? Are you going to do uh, food I'm, truck? I'm actually buying a food truck after this. Are you? Yeah. I'm going to do the deal. We wish you well in that deal. Yes. So I'm excited. If, if you choose to drive it around, like we were joking on the girls who do stuff. as a French fries. They want just French fries. <laughs> just a French well, fry food nothing truck. Nothing else. A French fry food truck. Yeah. But if you had to like compete with the ice cream truck song, you're going to be driving the Johnny's Pizza oh, song idea. around. Oh, great idea. Yeah. What's, uh, what's the song you're playing? I told you. I'm just going to stick with Jay-Z, Big Pimpin'. <laughs> so when you but hear it won't Big be Pimpin'. the lyrics. When you yeah, hear yeah. Big Pimpin'. Bum, bum, yeah. bum, bum. When you just hear the music of Big Pimpin' in your neighborhood, it's time for some yes, pizza. Exactly. <laughs> it's time to run out to the curb with your money and pick up your Johnny's Pizza Slice. That's great. 
Well, thanks again, Johnny, for coming in and sharing with us the story of Johnny's Pizza and everything that's going on. Again, if you want to hear more about the controversy and you know, like that piqued your interest, go check Girls out that episode. That do stuff. Girls who do stuff. Yep. You got a really good podcast voice. Oh, thank you, man. It's got a lot of like. <laughs> <laughs> He's got a good voice. He's like a two-stroke motorcycle. Yeah, yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, we'll I mean, dude, that. dude, I think there's a space for you in radio. Yeah. A small space. Both of you. In a tiny closet. No, dude. No, honestly, man, like I'm, I'm just. This is just part of my deal. Yeah. Speaking of Gary V, you have a little Gary V tone in your voice. Really? Too, you know? Yeah. He's right. a good friend of mine. He's a good guy. Yeah. That's awesome. He's a really good guy, man. I'm as successful as he is. He's a pretty humble person. Yeah. You won't find people that get to the level of success of that and are still. They want to deal with society. I remember. You see people who get to a level of success and they want to like stay at high society. He'll go down. I think that's important. It's so good to have people you look up to in that in that way. You know what you do. Yeah. Well, thanks again. If you guys are in the mood for pizza, Johnny's Pizza, you can follow him on all his social medias as Johnny Pizza NC, and you can check that out and see what all the hubbub is about. He posts great content. And again, thanks, Johnny, for coming in. Everybody of course, have a great you guys day. are awesome. We love making this stuff for you. You can help us out by subscribing wherever you get your podcasts. Get unstuck, tell a better story, and have a good answer to the question, what are you doing today?